0: Everybody, welcome to Richard's Radio Adventures. My name is Richard KB5JBV, and it's good to have y'all back. It's nice to be able to talk to y'all. Actually, I'd need to apologize. I found myself in the hospital a few weeks back and have been unable to record any episodes. We are on the mend. We're going to try and get the uh, schedule caught up, and everything is going to be hunky dory. Yes, sir. Alrighty, so um, one of the things I bring need to bring to the show at this point is uh, if y'all want to get in contact with me, my contact information is all over the website. And one of the main reasons I'm bringing this up at the moment is we actually did a live recording over on our Discord server tonight. Now, I don't know how that's going to come out and how it's going to... Uh, end up on the show but we're gonna give it our best effort has to do with antennas orientation that kind of stuff Uh, mostly HF however if you want to come join us over on the discord server you are welcome to do so one of those uh, pieces of contact information I was talking about is uh, if you'll look at any of the posts on the website You will find a list of contacts and down towards the bottom you will find an invite to the Discord server. Uh, You're welcome to come over, hang out, talk about whatever uh, tickles your fancy. We have a couple of places that are off topic so it doesn't necessarily have to be about amateur radio. We can do voice and video over there also. And we are, are currently working on a plan to be able to stream from the Discord server. Either to YouTube or Facebook or one of the other normal suspects. Y'all excuse me, I'm having to imbibe this evening because my foot really does still hurt. Okay, so check out the website over at uh, rfpodcast.info. If you want to take the long way in, it's richardbaileytx.info-rfpodcast. But it's easier to just type in rfpodcast.info. So y'all, uh, y'all come over and check it out because we really would like to see y'all there. Otherwise, send me an email, get in touch with me on Facebook, all the normal suspects. So this time I was, uh, listening to some nets the other night and I got to thinking to myself, what the hell has happened to amateur radio nets? Now, let me lay this out a little bit more. I was listening to two different nets on DMR and then one on a local net, analog repeater here locally. And, oh my God. Now, I will say that one of the nets that I listened to, actually, I didn't really have a problem with. The check-in list was kind of short. But they had a good format, which was, basically, they got everybody checked in, and then the question was, well, what have you been doing in amateur radio this week? And they went down the list by each check-in, and the folks would tell them, you know, what they've been up to as far as amateur radio. Great. Fantastic. Now... The analog net that I listened to is on a repeater about 20, 25 miles away. And the topic for discussion on that particular net was, have you ever owned a hot rod car? There was no information about amateur radio. There was uh, no discussion about clubs. It was, the question was, have you ever owned a hot rod car? And this went on for over an hour. Everybody talking about all these cars they've had and stuff like that. Now, having grown up in the 70s, I've had more than one fast car. But I really don't think that's something that should be on an amateur radio net. The other one which was on one of the DMR talk groups, and I don't remember which one now. It was somewhere out on the West Coast. The topic for discussion was, If you could be invisible, what would you do? Uh, well, if I could be invisible, what I would do is not be on that net. This is absolutely crazy. What the hell has happened to the amateur radio community where, I, I mean, I kind of understand they're trying to get traffic going, but it borders on the edge of stupidity. I don't care what kind of hot rod cars you want. If I want to know what kind of hot rod cars you uh, drove, then I'm going to pin you down at coffee or something and ask you about that. If uh, I want to work a hypothetical, like, if you were invisible, what would you do? Then I'm going to do that in person. It really doesn't make any sense to me. Now, please understand that when I got licensed, most amateur radios, most amateur radio nets had something to do with MCOM or the national traffic system, or they were weekly information nets for, and I'm talking about, I'm not talking about HF nets or they were weekly information nets. Having to do with uh, club operations, depending on what club it was, that sponsored the repeater or whatever. And all this other stuff. But this is absolutely insane. I have dealt with people over the last few months. I've dealt with people that have no idea why they even have an amateur radio license. Uh, other than, I guess, they just have it to keep up with their buddies. Which they could do more effectively over a cell phone. And it, it it's freaking mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. So, anyway, well, let's back up. Now, I've said more than once I was president of a ham club here in... In the area. The Ham Association of Mesquite. Mesquite being a suburb just east of Dallas. And we had a weekly information net. The weekly information net consisted of club announcements. A swapping shop. Had to do with radio equipment. Something else I can't remember. And then a an education segment. Basically an Elmering segment. Where we would get on there and do something about teaching, trying to teach somebody something on the air. Uh, Racy's nets, pretty formal. Aries nets, not as formal, but, you know, pretty much down to it. I have a, uh, one of the episodes of Resonant Frequency, I may have replayed it on Richard's Radio Adventures, was myself doing some training on an Aries net. As far as local nets are concerned, you know, even if people just get together and say, hey, how you doing? And, you know, you know, what's going on in your radio world? That's all fine. But I just cannot understand why you would ask somebody if they could be invisible, what would they do? Now, understand I bitch you a lot on Richard's Radio Adventures. It's not like Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast, where we're actually trying to elmer people. But also, we're trying to teach people stuff here. Now, this all goes back to the other stuff y'all have heard in previous episodes. It's gotten to the point that radio operators are radio operators anymore. You know, quite honestly, back in the days when I was on that band that we don't talk about much, I had more high-level discussions on that particular band than I'm hearing on amateur radio right now. And we'll get to the third net in just a few minutes, in case y'all are wondering. But it's just beyond me. It is beyond me. Because we're supposed... Well, I told the guy tonight. It's something that I've said for years. Everything that we do in amateur radio is training for something else. Now, whether we realize it or not, that's a different story. But I don't see how, if you were invisible, what would you do as training? Now I do understand there's a certain amount of that, taking orderly check-ins, being able to get everybody on the net that wants to be there, um, use of phonetics I heard on one or two... And that kind of stuff. Okay, we're getting a little bit of training. But I really don't care what kind of hot rod you had. I really don't. I had one that would do 140 miles an hour. And the only reason we don't know if it'd go faster is because it was scaring the hell out of us. So, let's get back to it a little bit. In the case of a club net, you want information about your club. You know, announcements, upcoming events. That kind of stuff. In some cases, you may be taking lists of people who are going to work special events. That kind of stuff. Uh, in Mesquite, we had the Mesquite Rodeo Parade. We had the Mesquite Rodeo Bike Ride. We had the uh, Balloon Festival for a lot of years, even though that's gone by the wayside. Because there was uh, an accident one year. Uh, toy drives. All that good stuff. That the kind of thing. Unfortunately, we've got these guys out there that are freewheeling on some of these frequencies, and they don't know what they're doing, because apparently they never had any Elmers. And this is sad, because once again, it all goes back to Elmering. It all goes back to learning. You know, I hate to keep beating a dead horse, but What was it? The last thing I put on Reddit, of all places, had something to do with public service. And once again, I had all these snide little jerks on Reddit show up and try and talk it down. I had a couple of people who apparently are interested in actually being amateur radio operators that were pro what I put on there. But not very many. But the first thing I want to do when I get those negative people is I want to say, Have you read the job description? And then post a link to Title 47 of the CFR Part 97 so that they can read the first few paragraphs of that so they know what our purpose is. I'm sure they're trying to compensate. So all goes back to something I said on resonant frequency at one point, which is with the advent of codeless licenses, we had a huge influx of operators. And because we had that huge influx, we weren't able to keep up. Now, I came in to the uh, amateur radio service probably four or five years before the codeless license. Am I anti-no-code? No. No. And if you listen to some of the former episodes, you'll understand the evolution of that. I am not anti-no-code. I am anti-clueless extras who normally are people who came in via no-code license and haven't even read the job description. They think it's all about contesting and QSL cards, which, apparently, you're not even doing QSL cards anymore because, you know, with Logbook of the World, you really don't need it, and eQSL, you really don't need it. You know, I had a gentleman, I had a gentleman send me a QSL card for a DMR contact. This guy thinks he's working the world on DMR. That's another one of those folks that needs to go uh, go back and read the description. Because via internet ain't going to get it for you. Using SDR radios ain't going to get it for you. Over the internet. Echo Link ain't going to do it. D-Star ain't going to do it. Fusion ain't going to do it. Plus, of course, they've changed the rules. If they have changed the rules, somebody needs to call that to my attention so I can go back and read them a bit. So, I had these three... Nets. Two of them. Po ass. And I'm not going to name them. I'll name one. The net that I found that seemed to be extremely well run, even though the gentleman was a, I believe he was first time net control, was very well run, and it was Ham Radio Crash Course. Now, I'm not normally going to mention other shows or whatever on either of my shows without a good reason. However, it's just like the episode we did about the world-class operators of Talk Group 93. I think it was 93 worldwide. And if I hear an outstanding net control, or I hear a net control that needs positive input, or needs to be... ...called out for being someone who... ...maybe is not the best... ...net control... ...but is trying... ...and has potential... ...then... ...yeah, I go ahead and mention them. We used to have a lot of outstanding... ...net controls here in North Texas. Believe it or not, most of them... ...were ex-police dispatchers. And that's where I learned... ...my technique. Because... Well, let's uh, let's talk about L.H. Marshall. And it's been so many years I can't look his call up and I don't remember it right off the top of my head. But L.H. Marshall was an ex-police dispatcher. And you could not rattle him. If there was an F3 tornado in the middle of the city of Mesquite and everybody was losing their minds, He would, uh, first of all, he would get on frequency and say, all stations, please stand by, and he would give everybody a few few seconds to calm down and compose themselves, and then he would start right back up with something to the effect of, all stations with minimum reporting criteria, please come now, and he would manage that. He kept cool and calm. He never got excited. Same way with uh, Charlie Stark, who was another one of the uh, regular net controls. And these are the guys that I tried to model my net control operations after. You could say they were my Elmers. It's like I've said in previous episodes, I have a list of Elmers longer than my arm. Because I have never met an amateur radio operator I did not learn something from. Whether it was positive or negative, We really need to get back to the radio, guys. We really need to get back to radio. Because sooner or later, sooner or later, we are going to be called upon. And in this part of the country, it's severe storms and hurricanes. In California, it's wildfires and earthquakes. We are going to be called upon. And we need to know our stuff. So, if you ask me what I would do if I was invisible for a day, I would probably go around all these radio operators that have no clue and slap them in the head. Now, if you want to ask me what kind of hot rides I've had, I've had many. One of them was a 1974 Cuddly Supreme. ...that we took 350 out of and put a 455 in. It was so heavy we couldn't go over speed bumps at more than 5 miles an hour. And we shut it down at 130 miles an hour out on the highway because the front end was starting to float. And we were having trouble keeping it under control. We never hit top end. Now, y'all probably probably think that that information is not appropriate on the show... It wasn't appropriate on the air either. I spent a long time tonight working with a gentleman in Oregon. Now, y'all remember I'm in Texas. Working with a guy tonight in Oregon. Trying to help him work out a problem he has with his HF rig. And we'll probably talk about that in the next episode. But he's one of those gentlemen that has no guidance. None. And the only person he can find to elmer him is good old Richard down in Texas. Well, I think we may have the problem worked out. At least we're trying. So, what I suggest, for those of y'all listening to me, not just in the U.S., but over in the U.K., because we're starting to build a following over there, I'm sure we probably have a following down in Australia. And let me repeat, I've said this more than once. Australians are the most Texan-like of any people I know outside of Texas. And I'm really happy that that's the case. Because someday I'm getting down there. This is another one of those Richard's uh, upset about the way things are. The amateur radio service has deteriorated a great deal since I was licensed. We all knew our purpose. We all knew the reason we were licensed. And apparently nowadays you don't even have to read the regulations and stuff to pass the test. That may or may not be the case, but that's why so many guys out there, so many of the new guys out there are having so many problems with the old timers and why the old timers have abandoned the higher frequencies for the lower frequency because they don't want to fool with nonsense i don't blame them but it's my business to make sure we elmer everybody we can so apparently this is going to end up being a shorter one of the shorter episodes i'm sorry like i said i was in the hospital for over a week they were pumping uh the strongest antibiotics into me they could possibly get I came home. I still had to take a pill form of the same antibiotic for uh, over a week. We are on the mend. We are going to try and get these uh, shows getting back out on a regular basis. So with that, let me go ahead and say you can contact us at Richard's Radio Adventures. Well, let me back up a minute. We are still heading down to the relaunch. Of Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast. Currently, the uh, last episode which dropped tonight was part of our battery series on Deep Cycle Batteries. We are planning on restarting Resonant Frequency, the amateur radio podcast, which y'all will enjoy more because there's less bitching. And that will be episode 54, I believe. Probably 55 but we are moving in that direction. We still have plans to restart it and we are currently working on videos and other things. Uh, We are probably working on some uh, member only content also which you may or may not be interested in. We do need you to go over to the website. Send us a dollar. There's a PayPal link there. Send us a dollar. If you don't want to send us a dollar, if you decide to buy something over at Amazon, go over to the webpage and click through off of one of the links for Amazon. That will help us out also. Uh, We get like four dollars or four percent of whatever gets spent. And even though that's not a lot, it adds up over time and will help. So those are the ways we're looking at Patreon, we're looking at other stuff. We are not trying to commercialize either one of the podcasts. But, we do have expenses. And last but not least, let me mention one more time. For those of you who may listen to this that were listening to the Strangely Enough podcast, which only ran eight episodes, if you are interested in bringing that back, I would be interested in knowing. So I'm going to give you this and then you can look up the other ways to contact us if you like. My contact information, or at least my email, is kb5jbv at gmail.com, kb5jbv at gmail.com. Go ahead and click on it, send me an email, let me know what's going on. I did get an email from a gentleman uh, that is listening to the Resonant Frequency podcast, which are uh, archive episodes right now. And I do need to mention him on the air, so I will uh, try and get on that as quickly as I can. So, I've pretty much run my head about this subject as much as I can at this point. I'm going to go ahead and get my butt out of here. It's pretty late here in Texas, and we will talk to y'all next time. Get out there and try and beat the bushes and get the uh, amateur radio service back to where it was, something that we can be proud of. Y'all have a good evening. And this is Richard, KB5JBV73. We gotta go.